This is Soccer Pilgrim, the podcast dedicated to soccer and travel, where each stadium is shrine and its fans delay people. For the traveler, it is another culture to explore. Welcome to the Soccer Pilgrim podcast with Jason Kim. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Soccer Pilgrim. I'm your host, Jason Kim. And today's episode, we're going to Madrid. And I went to Madrid recently, actually. I went in 2018, and I caught a Real Madrid game there. So for this episode, I'll talk about the major clubs that you can find within Madrid, even perhaps in the greater Madrid area. But these are only the clubs that are currently in the top division. So La Liga Satander, or unless they change the name. But anyway... Before we get started, I would greatly appreciate if you would share, like, and subscribe to podcasts on whatever podcast streaming platform that you're listening this to on. And also, I would also greatly appreciate it if you would follow me at Jason underscore Jisoo on Instagram or follow this podcast on Instagram at Soccer Pilgrim. And please share the podcast episodes on your social media. It would help help me or help us a lot, rather, me and my friend. My friend Kirabo, that is. Shout out to Carabelle. You can follow him at Very Mahari. Mahari, M-E-H-A-R-I. Very, as in, you know, very much. Very Mahari. All right, so let's get into it. So Madrid. I I initially went to Madrid in 2018, and I went for a World Model United Nations conference. And that was, uh, it was a conference hosted or organized by Harvard, but hosted by local uh, universities in Madrid. And I went there as a staff. I went there as an assistant chair uh, in a committee called SpecPool. That's that's a random fact. Anyway, I went there for a conference. And when I was going to the conference, I knew I was going to Madrid. So in my head, I was I was like, okay, I better go on the weekend that Madrid's playing at home. I, w- I pre- initially planned when I was going to the conference based on when Madrid- Real Madrid was going to be playing at home. If it wasn't Real Madrid, it was going to be Atletico Madrid. But... As someone who is a little more partial towards, who is partial towards Real Madrid, who watches Real Madrid in Spain, like that's my team that I support in Spain, uh, I had to go watch them live. So I did. I was lucky to know someone or a friend who is a member, a Madridista, a member of the Real Madrid fan club, or member of the club rather, of the official Real Madrid uh, football club. And I used her membership discount to get these tickets. And I was seated in such a good spot. And it was a game of Real Madrid versus Celta Vigo. And what made this game extra special was Zidane came back as coach. This was the first game when Zidane came back as coach. And it was just, there was a buzz or vibe around the stadium when Zizou came back. So I came at a special time. So something you must know, if you want to buy tickets in Spain, buying tickets in Spain is similar to buying tickets in England. The first batch of tickets are sold to directly to, to members of the club. And then it goes to gener- general admission. And from what I get, getting general admission tickets to Real Madrid is pretty easy, but we'll get to that later on in the episode. But one important thing, I say it's easy, but it's because Real Madrid fans are kind of are kind of spoiled. So they won't they won't show up for the smaller matches because, you know, it's almost like a guaranteed win. But try to get tickets to a Clásico to bigger games, it's near impossible. So getting tickets to Celta Vigo was relatively easy, even if Zidane was coming back. Again, I'll, I'll go all into detail later on. And one last thing, I'm kind of grateful that there's only three major clubs in Real, in Madrid right now. Three major clubs playing a top division. I'm talking, you know, 2020-2021 season. I'm saying this because it makes it made my research a little easier. All right, so let's start with Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid is, I think it's, every, it's the neutrals' favorite, rather. A lot of neutrals really like Atletico Madrid. They're the one club that everybody kind of wants to see do well. 
And they play at the Wanda Metropolitano Stadium. It seats 68,000 people. It's east of the city center. They moved from the, the Vincente Calderon Stadium, which was like this classic old school stadium. Then they moved to the Wanda Metropolitano, which is a really nice stadium. And for a club that's growing quickly, like Atletico Madrid, that is a perfect stadium for a club like them. To get there by public transit, you have to take the metro and you get off at Estadio Metropolitano. By the way, a lot of these metro stations are just named after the club or have the same name as the club or the venue where they played at. So, you know, it's helpful. So the expected ticket prices that you'll find going to Atletico Madrid game will be between 40 euros to 200 euros. I think that's dependent, obviously, of the seats that you're buying to, but also which game you're attending. I imagine that 40 euro ticket, if it was against Real Madrid, that 40 euro ticket would probably be like 60 euros. Maybe. I I don't know. That's that's dependent on the game. And also a reminder, some of these ticket prices are somewhat speculative because these are ticket prices before the COVID pandemic. So maybe things will change afterwards, but who knows? We'll see. I've never been to Atletico Madrid game, but the majority of Madrid locals seem to be Atletico fans. When I walked around the city, I've definitely seen more locals wearing Atletico, Atletico Madrid jerseys than Real Madrid jerseys. Granted, it's not that I haven't seen any Real Madrid jerseys being worn around the city, but I just get the vibe that there are more Atletico fans within Madrid. Or I could be wrong. It could be 50-50. I don't know. I'm just saying based on my 10 days in Madrid. And it makes sense if Atletico Madrid is the most popular club in Madrid because they are the people's club. They are the working class club. That's sort of its history. Its history is in working class roots. I think... The red and white stripes had to do with the fact that they were bed makers. And apparently beds were made with red and white stripes back in those days. I, I, If I remember correctly, I think that's what it was. And also, if you end up going to Madrid after the pandemic, which seems to be happening soon, if not next summer, or the end of this coming summer in 2021, you have to go when Diego Simeone is still coach of that club. He's been there for, I think, almost 10, almost 10 years now, if not more. And he single-handedly revolutionizes club from like a mid-table club to a Champions League contending club like this man has this man has broken the the duopoly between Barcelona and Real Madrid granted with Cristiano Ronaldo leaving Madrid and also Barcelona going through a lot of uh I guess internal issues it this was the appropriate time for Atletico Madrid to come you know to come out to come out on top right now I think they're top in the league but at the same time, it's it's a little long overdue. They're also a great club with great players. They've always had a rotation of great strikers coming in and out of that club. You know, Falcao, Aguero, Griezmann, just to name a few from you know recent history. So that being said, if you are going to Madrid and you happen to be going for a a soccer game or you are thinking about going to watch a soccer game in Madrid, Real Madrid is a great. Of course, you can't you can't go wrong. But Atletico Madrid, I think, is a must visit. Uh, Next time I go to Madrid, I'm going to get tickets to Atletico Madrid for sure. So, yeah, that being said, like I said before, they're sort of the neutrals' favorite. A lot of neutrals support Atletico Madrid because they're the only club that has a realistic chance in breaking or, yeah, that breaking the Barcelona-Real Madrid dichotomy, as I said before. You know, supporting Sevilla and Valencia is great. Those are great clubs, but, but Atletico Madrid just has that special something. And also, it's an episode by Madrid, so I'm not going to be talking about Valencia-Sevilla. So now I just talked about Atletico Madrid, the working class 
club of Madrid, the poor people's club of Madrid. Now let's move on to the rich side of town, I suppose. And that's Real Madrid. Real, Real is Spanish for royal and Madrid, Madrid, of course. But the reason why they have the name royal in their name is because they were sponsored by the king at some point. The king of Spain sponsored them. And that's how they got the name royal. So whenever you see a Spanish club with the name Real or royal is because the royal family of Spain had something to do with that club. Whether they invested some money in that club or they just, you know, gave them the name Royal, saying that's the, the club of royalty, whatever. It could be anything. And Madrid, it seems fitting that Real Madrid is called Real Madrid because, you know, they're, when you think about European soccer, you have to think about Real Madrid. 13 Champions Leagues, 32 La Liga titles, uh, the Galacticos, all these amazing superstars playing at the club, you know. And that's the, that's the reason why they're the world's biggest club because of the success and the players they're able to bring in. They're like the New York Yankees of world soccer. And the stadium, Estadio Santiago Bernabeu, that stadium is huge. It could hold 89,000 people. I think it could even push to 90,000. And it's like right in the city center. It's in the middle of the city. Public transit to get there is pretty easy and straightforward. It's, as I say, in the middle of the city. And you just get off at the station of Santiago Bernabeu. And you don't need directions once you get to that stadium. You'll just see a, a river of just white jerseys flowing towards the stadium. You follow the crowd, you get there. You'll hear all the Real Madrid music being played by buskers on guitar or on saxophone on the streets. It's just like going to a Real Madrid game feels like a festival. And it's it's crazy. It's a lot of fun. There's a great vibe outside the stadium and inside the stadium. When you're outside the stadium, you, you'll, you'll hear so many different languages. And it's like... I'm speechless. I I think I had goosebumps. I mean, I'm even having goosebumps just rethinking, you know, of going back into that stadium, just revisiting that that moment. But anyway, ticket prices start starting from 50 euros to 150 euros. And I've seen ticket prices go higher into the 200s. And when I went there, I paid I paid 125 euros for my tickets. And this is the club membership. It's Definitely 125 euros, that's like 160 Canadian. That's still decent money for one ticket. But where I was seated, I think I was bang for buck. And also considering that this was a club membership discount, I was row nine. I was row nine. I was right next to the VIP section. I was right behind the Real Madrid bench. Granted, I couldn't see them because there's like a cover over the bench in the dugout. But I saw Zidane's bald head all 90 minutes. And that was... More than enough. I saw Gareth Bale run past me. I like to think that I made eye contact with Marcelo, but he was probably waving to his son or to a family member that was like maybe not too far from me. But I'm just going to assume I made eye contact with him because we have a special connection, of course. <laughs> Since I'm talking about my experience, I might as well just share the story of going to Real Madrid. So long story short, as I said, I went there for a conference, but the game was happening on the day that I landed. I landed in Madrid around 8 a.m. I check into my Airbnb around 10, and I'm just talking to the Airbnb host, and she's telling me how to get to Real Madrid. And she's a Real Madrid fan, and she told me that she was jealous that I was going to that game. She told me how to get there. What was the fastest way to get there? And I get to the stadium. There's just, like, white jerseys everywhere. Everyone's speaking multiple languages. There's a bit of, obviously, the Spanish being spoken, but everyone's speaking a lot of different languages. And I'm trying to find my gate to get in. And there's like a ton of different gates. And there's four towers. And I'm like, okay, so which one do I have to go? And I keep asking people to keep pointing me towards the gates on the other side of the of the stadium. I get to the other side. And the entrance is not that big. It's kind of low-key. And there's not a lot of people going in and out. So I'm thinking, am I at the right place? 
But then also the entrance is next to like some really fancy restaurant or fancy cafe. I forget what. And I was thinking, how VIP? Did I buy a VIP ticket? I, I mean, I, I remember when buying the tickets, I was trying to get the closest seat possible. And that's what I got. I, I, it was like a special entrance for people sitting in that section. They had their own bathrooms, their own stalls. There wasn't that many foot traffic. There wasn't a lot of people. And I was like, oh, shit, I think I bought some bougie tickets. And I get into the stadium. And I'm in, you know, in, in big stadiums has multiple tiers. Let's say there's like five tiers. I'm on the first tier of stands. And I'm walking in. And then all the people who are working at the stadium to, you know, help you get to your seats, they all speak perfect English. They didn't even speak to me in Spanish when they first saw me. They just switched to English. So that tells you that they get a lot of tourists. And also I'm Asian. So they were like, okay, this guy's probably a tourist. But anyway, he he brings me to my seat. I'm standing out because it's clear like, it's very clear that I'm a tourist. Everyone else is Spanish and white. <laughs> that doesn't bug me. But it's just that it, that's not a that's not a an insulting comment or anything like that. But it's more to paint you a picture that I'm in a very local spot. That I am surrounded by locals. Everyone's speaking to me in Spanish. Everyone's speaking in Spanish. And I don't speak any Spanish. And I'm just there like, I am getting the most authentic experience that I could ask for. Second best would be sitting with the ultras. But it's it, it seems to be, you, I think you have to be an ultra member to get those seats. But anyway. You know, I sat there and it was, you know, fantastic. And, and it was, uh, the people around me were nice. It was 20 degrees Celsius. It was a beautiful summer. No clouds in the sky. I'm wearing all black because that's a smart idea. And it was just a great game. The game ended 2-1 for Real Madrid. And to give you an idea who started for Real Madrid that game, it was, I remember it, it was Isco, Benzema, Bale, Casemiro, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, Varane, Sergio Ramos, Marcelo, Odriozola, and Courtois. That's five World Cup winners in front of me, including the coach. That's five World Cup winners. There's maybe three or four World Cup semifinalists and quarterfinalists. Okay, quarterfinalists doesn't sound impressive. But anyway, it doesn't change the fact that these are high-level players. And I couldn't believe it. Watching Bale is... Watching Bale is incredible. Uh, that's all I got to say. Watching Bale is genuinely incredible because he is such athletic power. And he has a great technique. And it's uh, I'm also a Bale fan. So to me, it was really much, very much a dream come true. But it kind of it sucks because Ronaldo left that summer. So I just missed Ronaldo. But anyway. Anyway, so that's my story in Madrid. Oh, and one last thing. I noticed in the grounds, they have a lot of respect for the older fans, for the senior fans. I remember seeing this older man and he was still wearing like a three-piece suit. But it's like, you could tell that this is what he wore back in like the 60s, you know. Like a, kind of like a tweed, kind of fabric, three-piece suit, old man with a, with a cap, with like one of those old taxi caps, I forget what they're called. And like, you know, those Peaky Blinders caps, you know, he was wearing that. And when he got up to leave or go to the bathroom, the entire row just stood up and gave him his space. And I was like, that is a level of respect that have not seen usually when people shuffle into the seats they had either like kind of move their knees aside but still still stay seated a lot of people would obviously stand up to give them more room that's normal too but i have never seen an entire row just almost at the same time just got up and let this man walk past so this man must have been a season ticket holder when he was like 20 or something you know it's it's kind of cool people who have a culture of respect towards those elders i you know i have a lot of respect for that Anyway, moving on, let's move on to Getafe. And then I'll talk about the things you do around the city. So Getafe. Getafe. They're famous for having a Burger King sponsor. I remember when the when their main sponsor on their jersey was Burger King, because Burger King 
says Power. They play at the, Colise- the Coliseum Alfonso Perez, 17,000 people. That's south of the city center. Obviously not that big a club. It's crazy how you go from Wanda Metropolitano to Santiago Bernabeu, each holding 60 to 90,000 people to this 17,000 seat stadium. It's a really big shift. It tells you a lot of dynamic, you know, the power dynamic in Madrid. To get to Getafe, the public transit is Los Aspartales, Los Aspartales, and the ticket prices are from 50 to 153 euros. I can't really tell you much about Getafe because it's kind of just like one of those smaller clubs in Madrid that doesn't have the same sex appeal as Atletico Madrid or as Real Madrid, but I do think that they deserve a shout-out because they are still a Madrid club. Granted, some Madrid locals might even argue that they're not a Madrid club because they're in the the greater Madrid area. It's like you're from New Jersey, but then people don't know anything about New Jersey, so you just say you're from New York. It's, I guess it's like one of those things. So that's all I have to say about Getafe. <laughs> they wear blue. And yeah, that's it. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so things to do around Madrid. There's a lot to do around Madrid. First off, I got to be honest, I didn't really spend enough time visiting and exploring the city because I was a teacher assistant for an online course. And I would say for three days, I spent my my morning and afternoon correcting essays as opposed to going out and visiting the city because, you know, fucking this teacher. I didn't like working for this teacher. But anyway, but... When I was there and what I did see, I did some of the touristy stuff, you know. And uh, and let me tell you about those touristy spots or the spots I've been to. In, in most travel guides, they'll say, go check out Puerto del Sol, the door of the sun. And I got to tell you that right now. I went in March and it was packed. This is pre-COVID. COVID was not even in our, in our, in our minds. It was not a word yet. COVID was literally not a word yet. And... It was packed with people, and I hate crowded spaces to begin with, and it was just so many people, and that was in March, and I can only imagine what it's like in August. So perhaps best to visit early in the day when there's less people, but when it's peak hours, I would avoid. It's just it's so expensive. Not just expensive, but it's also so many people. And if there's any neighborhood that I would suggest that you should explore is the Salamanca neighborhood. Salamanca is not that far from Estadio Santiago Bernabeu, where Real Madrid plays. I, that's the neighborhood I stayed at when I went to when I went to Madrid. And I gotta tell you, it's a really cool neighborhood. It's uh definitely on the hipster vibe. But there's a I there's this one bar I went to that you get a free shot of rum if you buy a beer or something like that. And I forget the name of the bar, but it's like some really small bar that can only hold like 10, 20 people. And there's like weird statues all around the wall. It, it just kind of felt like an Anthony Bourdain moment. But it was, uh, it was one of those cool spots that it's in the small side streets. That's the kind of neighborhood Salamanca is. You just walk around and you'll find something fun. Every bar, every dive bar is worth exploring. Every restaurant's worth trying. Just Try it out. Just go out and explore Salamanca. Cool neighborhood. A lot of young people too. So it's, you know, it's cool. And there's things that I learned in Madrid is don't eat paella in Madrid. That's not a city to be eating paella. It's more for the tourists. If you want to eat paella in Spain, you should be going to Barcelona, Valencia, maybe even Sevilla, but not Madrid. Just to give you an idea, it's like eating Montreal bagels in in Toronto. You don't want to do that, you know. No, no disrespect to Toronto bagels, but I mean, as a Montrealer, bagels in Montreal second to none. And if you're into art, if you're into museums, you should definitely be checking out the museums in Madrid. If you're into art history or just art in general, the Prado Museum is the one I went to go check out. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Prado Museum is, is, is cool. I, I like it. It's really cool stuff there. 
I know there's a lot of other spots in Madrid that I'm forgetting. Like, there's the huge garden, the huge park, uh, Recoletas, I think it's called. Recoletas. That's a cool park to visit. Very big. Really worth visiting. But I'm going to say the same thing I would say to any European city, any big European city. Just walk around. Just walk around. Just walk around and get lost. Because that's the best thing to do in Europe is just to walk and explore and see what's what's around, you know. And that's what I encourage you that you should do in Madrid. I went to Madrid with no expectations. And the only plan I had made was to watch around Madrid. Other than that, I didn't really know much about Madrid and its history. I just knew that it was definitely, you know, obviously the seat of the Spanish Empire at some point. But other than that, it's like, I didn't really know much. And when you go into places without expectations, travel becomes way more fun and way more interesting. Because you you'll get blindsided by the things that are incredibly interesting and fun. And that is the best experience you can get into travel. Yeah. So unlike the London episode, this episode's obviously shorter because I'm only covering three clubs. I want to spend some time talking about, I guess, Spain or Madrid in particular. Here's one thing you should know. They're going to act as if they don't speak English. <laughs> There's one thing you need to understand when you go to Madrid is that Almost everyone in the service industry actually speaks English and their English is actually pretty good, except they won't speak English to you for whatever reason. They'll only speak to you in Spanish. It's kind of one of those things that you're in Spain, you ought to speak Spanish. And then when they realize that you don't speak any Spanish, they'll probably switch to English. Some people find it annoying. I That doesn't really bother me because I want to learn a new language. So if they're doing that with me and with Spanish, it forces me to try to speak Spanish and you know use whatever Spanish I do know, which is very little. So I like that. So if you if you want to learn a new language, going to Madrid might be a good idea. Again, I'm on. This is coming from someone who's only spent like a week in Madrid. You you perhaps would be better to listen to someone who has lived in Spain for more longer. But anyway, this is my experience. So fuck those other people. Oddly enough, they find French charming in in Madrid. It's it's weird to say because when I spoke to some locals, they find some locals find people from France really snobby and arrogant but at the same time they also find the French language in of itself very attractive or interesting they like to make fun of the French R's but from what I gather the the Spanish that I met seemed to really like the French language they just they just didn't like French people (laughs) so that's so that's a thing and also like like anywhere in the world saying you're canadian it just it's going to it's going to take you places so don't be afraid don't don't brag about being canadian no one likes anyone who brags but don't be afraid to mention it's like oh yeah you know i'm from canada so this is all new to me could you show me around and they'll be most likely to show you around i mean that's how i got around salamanca granted i knew someone who was already living there so that helped but but even then, when I met my, my friend who was at Madrid, I met her friends and they all live in Madrid and they're really easygoing, fun people. And that's a vibe I got with what people from Madrid is that some of them can be really pretentious and standoffish. Others are really warm, welcoming and like, you know, they're fun. They're fun to hang out with. Anyway, so to conclude this episode, to conclude this Madrid episode, I do want to say this. The ticket prices I've given you in this episode, you could definitely find cheaper ones. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, it's definitely easier to find general admission tickets for Madrid, for Real Madrid. I ha- I knew a lot of guys who want to go watch Real Madrid, and they bought it through general admissions at the stadium. Their seats were definitely not the same kind of seats that I got, but it's still good seats where you, if you are a fan of the game, and you don't really care about seeing every single facial hair on the player's face. Like, I want to see them as close as possible because I'm 
I'm just a creep like that. But they, but if you're a fan of soccer, you just want to see how the game is played from a bird's eye view and just get to see the entire field, you could find tickets like that that will get you really good seats. And also, one thing about the Bernabeu that I've noticed is that it feels like it's collapsing in of itself. It's very steep. It's not a bad thing. It's just like, as a player, that must feel intimidating. It just feels, it really does feel like the fans are on top of you. The way the stadium is structured and built, like when you're sitting there, it just, it really feels like it's collapsing on top of the field. But when you see it from different angles, it doesn't look like that. But when you're sitting where I was seated, it definitely felt like that. So imagine a mental component for players who are playing in that kind of venue and you feel like the fans, all 80,000, are literally just feels like they're on top of you. It must be an in- intimidating feeling. And I want to leave you one one last story that happened in the game that wasn't on TV. Uh, at this time, Florentino Perez, the president of Real Madrid, was going through a lot of shit. He was very unpopular. People were, you know, didn't like his... Uh, his uh, transfer policy, he was just buying big-name players without really considering if they fit well into the vibe of the team. You know, he's, he's, the kind of, he's the kind of man who just likes to buy players that are better for marketing than they are on the field, you know. And that's one of his main criticisms. And this one time I was watching the game and there's one section of fans that just had this huge banner saying uh, Perez out. They want the president out. or It was written in Spanish, so I can... I, I don't remember everything it was said, but it was saying to the effect that Paris needs to leave. We need to kick him out. The banner was held out on the side of the game where the cameras could see it. And I remember when the banners came out, I just see like 10, 20 security guards rushing towards the banner and like literally tearing it off like aggressively, aggressively tearing off the banner. And I could see the security guards arguing with the fans of that banner. And they were, just, they were just arguing, and then he took the banner away really aggressively. I was just like, oh, shit, this is, feels like a police state in, in some ways. It was as if um, if it was a government, it would be the government quashing a peaceful protest. That's kind of the vibe that I got. I was like, oh, man. But then again, it's, you know, it's still a private business, so they don't want that kind of stuff in the game. But it is what it is, right? That's what I saw, and it happened twice. There was one section of fans that did it, and then the other side of the stadium, another section of fans did it. With the same reaction. Security guards rushed him, grabbed their banners, one or two people were escorted out, and then that's it. And I was I was like, oh man, they're in, they're not fucking around here. And so that was at Real Madrid. And that was my experience at Madrid. Madrid's a beautiful city. Definitely go visit in March, I would say. The temperature when I was there was always like average twenty degrees. It was fantastic. Beautiful city. People are beautiful there. Men and women there are all beautiful. Maybe I'm just exoticizing because it's Spain, but who knows? I don't care. I had a great time. I love that experience. I encourage all of you to go see Madrid. Whether it's for a game or for the city itself, you definitely got to go check it out. And then you can move on to Barcelona, Sevilla. Sevilla is also another dope city. Anyway, I digress. Thank you for listening to another episode of Soccer Pilgrim. Please don't forget to share, like, and subscribe to the podcast to whatever social media platforms that you have. Even word of mouth, sharing my podcast with word of mouth would be greatly appreciated. And all this to say, so next episode, I'll talk about Vancouver. A kind of an interesting city to pick for this series, but why not, right? Do something a little different. Anyway, thank you for listening. My name is Jason Kim, and this is Soccer Pilgrim. Thank you. <laughs>